Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com to require a COVID shot because, to my knowledge, they've never mandated or required a flu shot. Uh, They've never in any way mandated or required measles, mumps, or rubella shots, to my knowledge, in order to compete in athletics. And why in the world would they be requiring a COVID shot? Props to Novak Djokovic for being willing to stand on principle and not get the shot himself, even if it potentially cost him millions of dollars, even if it potentially cost him the all-time record for Grand Slams. Now, I think the reality is by the summer, I think these things are going to be falling uh, to the wayside rapidly. Washington, D.C. just did away with their vaccine mandates for COVID in order to enter bar, restaurants, movie theaters, gyms. All that's gone. Uh, I suspect that New York and L.A. and any other place that has implemented those regulations, that that's going to disappear in a hurry as well. And so that is my expectation going forward here. Uh, So this is going to be intriguing to follow uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt to see how exactly everything ends up shaking out. Now, uh, I want to talk about this for a minute because I think it's a big story. I am not a Canadian expert, okay? Uh, I, I do not know a great deal, though I would encourage you to go listen to our conversation with Jordan Peterson, who is Canadian, Uh, about the issue that is going on right now with the Canadian truckers. What I do know is when the Toronto Star, which is basically the New York Times of Canada, the left wing speaking with the government universe, when they are coming out and saying that it is a poor decision for them to have made the decision to come out and do what uh, Justin Trudeau just did, he enacted the Emergencies Act for the first time in the history of the law, which basically is effectively declaring martial law in Canada. That is, Canada now has a dictator, not a democratically elected president, based on the powers that he has under the Emergencies Act, okay? And almost immediately, they also announced that they were expanding the definition of terrorism-related funds to include any money that was being given. Think about how crazy this is that was being given to GoFundMe to support truckers and their activities uh, and the protests that they are engaging in right now, okay? So if even if you're not Canadian or you haven't been paying attention to this, I just want you to think about this for a moment. Imagine that in the summer of 2020, as protests for Black Lives Matter were blowing up all over the United States, and as there were buildings being ransacked and burned and looted and pillaged, imagine if Donald Trump had said, anyone who is donating money to Black Lives Matter, I am banning that, and I am going to be treating it as a terror-related donation. We'll be able to cancel your uh, donations, we'll be able to seize them, and we'll be able to investigate the people who are making those donations. Across all of America, I really believe this, many people would have said that is an act that we can't support. 
whether you supported BLM or not, overwhelmingly the American media, I think whether it's the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, whether it's Fox News or MSNBC, I think there would have been substantial criticisms of Donald Trump for doing that. It's what Justin Trudeau just did to the the truckers. So if you are out there, people get upset because I stand on principle, right? I always think, what rules are you applying and we need to apply them evenly no matter what the content of the speech is. Which is why I said that everyone who violated the law on January 6th should be prosecuted for rioting just like everyone who violated the law during the summer when there were riots going on all year long. I said the same thing. My position on it has been treat everyone who breaks the law the same. Now all those people are entitled to lawyers. All those people are entitled to the best possible defense they can get. I believe that whether you're a Democrat, Republican, Independent, white, black, Asian, Hispanic, gay or straight, our principles need to be applied in a content neutral fashion. It's not happening. And the media needs to cover these stories in a content neutral fashion. Mostly not happening. In fact, many people are cheering Justin Trudeau's authoritarianism as it pertains to what is going on with the truckers in Ottawa and around Canada in general. And remember, what these Canadian truckers are advocating for is not some radical change in the way the government is organized right now. They're just saying, hey, can we end the COVID restrictions and go back to the pre-COVID era? Can we just return to where we have been before as opposed to letting the government's draconian vaccine mandates continue to exist. And I agree, and I support all of the Canadian truckers. And I think what you have to be nervous about now that effectively Justin Trudeau has declared martial law, are they going to go drag these truckers out of their trucks? Are they going to beat them for uh, ever having the gall to protest against the COVID mandates? What's going to happen here? Are the troops in Canada going to run through the streets and and really enforce this rule? I don't know, but I do know that whatever your politics, you should be troubled by the draconian powers that Justin Trudeau has undertaken with his war on truckers because the precedent that is being set is an awful one regardless of your politics. Tonight, gambling pick. Uh, Kentucky, Tennessee. I'm going to be sitting down and watching college basketball like many of you. As soon as the NFL ends, I pivot aggressively to college basketball to get all of my studying done in the one month leading up to the NCAA tournament, which I absolutely love. And so, I'm going to be watching college basketball like crazy to get ready for the NCAA tournament so I can bet on as many different teams and as many different games as I possibly can with the NCAA tournament launching. But uh, from this perspective, I think Tennessee gets it done tonight at Thompson Bowling Arena against Kentucky. Both teams are hot. We got basically a dead even line here. Let me check the latest line at FanDuel as we speak. Uh, in the state of Tennessee. By the way, a $1,000 risk-free bet out there for everyone who wants to get a bet in on these games. And uh, the line was basically even on Tennessee-Kentucky tonight. And let me see what the line actually is uh, as we go forward here. 
Uh, Tennessee now has moved to a two-point favorite according to FanDuel. FanDuel.com slash Clay. $1,000 no-risk wager. FanDuel.com slash Clay. Kentucky's been playing really well. Tennessee's been playing really well. Tennessee hasn't lost at home yet. Uh, Kentucky is, I believe, sitting at 10-2 in the SEC. Tennessee 9-3. Both of them in the top four chasing Auburn. Should be a well of a basketball game. 9 o'clock Eastern tonight. Maybe take a nap if you want to stay up and see how exactly it is going to finish. We'll be right back in a moment. But first, this break. Uh, Matthew Stafford. A lot of debate about Matthew Stafford and whether or not he is a Hall of Fame quarterback. I think the answer is he is. Now, he's 34 years old. He still has a couple of years left. But he's about to go over 50,000 yards passing. And he is probably going to end up north of 60,000 yards passing. And I want to put that into, into like popular perception for you. Now, I know that a lot of you uh, understand that the NFL, I'm I'm typing this all in, by the way, while I speak. uh, I know that a lot of you understand that the NFL has become more of a passing league now than it has been in in, in all time. But the all-time passing leader right now is, not surprisingly, Tom Brady. And he's thrown for over 84,000 yards. Drew Brees, Hall of Famer. Peyton Manning, Hall of Famer. Brett Favre, Hall of Famer. I think everybody would agree mostly that Ben Roethlisberger is going to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, Before all is said and done, we are going to have a situation where Matthew Stafford, who right now is just shy of 50,000 yards, is going to end up probably right around the top five all-time in total passing yards. When you are top five all-time in total passing yards and you have won a Super Bowl, I don't see any way possible that you are not a Hall of Famer. Matthew Stafford about to pass John Elway. about to, He's already passed Warren Moon. Uh, and so you look at the trajectory and the direction that he is going. He's going to end up over 60,000 yards passing. I believe that before all is said and done, given how many more years he's going to play, he's likely to end up a top five all-time NFL passer. So if he retired today, I think he would be a Hall of Famer, but I think it would be a significant battle because of where he is all-time. But by the time he retires, remember he's only 34, assuming he plays to 37 or 38, first of all, he may win another Super Bowl. But even if he doesn't, he's likely to end up well over 60,000 yards, likely to end up right around that top five all-time passing yards leader. To me, there is no doubt that Matthew Stafford is going to end up a Hall of Famer. I don't know if I talked about this yesterday. I can't remember fully. But Brian Flores has amended his lawsuit to also sue the Houston Texans for not hiring him. And if you missed this, Brian Flores came out and said that it was obvious that he would have been hired over Lovey Smith if he had not sued the NFL. Now, first of all, that's disrespectful of Lovey Smith for Brian Flores to say that. But if you remember, I told you when this lawsuit happened, I said whoever advised Brian Flores should have told him that what he was doing was destroying, in theory, his ability to argue that he was in any way 
going to be able to get an NFL job going forward because he sued with five still jobs open. I really do believe that if Brian Flores doesn't file this lawsuit, he becomes the head coach of the Houston Texans. That would mean that he would have gotten two different head coaching jobs before the age of 40. And if that happens, he would have made tens of millions of dollars as an NFL head coach. Instead, he listened to his idiot lawyers, filed a lawsuit when there were still five jobs open that he theoretically could have gotten, and now he's going to try to amend his lawsuit and sue the Houston Texans, who just hired black head coaches back-to-back years and argue that they were racially discriminatory against him? No. I think the Texans made the decision, which, by the way, not an irrational decision, that they were not going to hire somebody who was suing the NFL. By and large, most entities will not hire you if you are suing them. And so as you break this down in a larger perspective, this was idiocy. What Brian Flores should be doing is amending his lawsuit to fire all the idiot lawyers he hired who have given him awful legal advice. Let me be clear about this. A lot of times lawyers file lawsuits and it might be good for the lawyer to have the lawsuit filed, but bad for the client. And I think that's what's going on here with Brian Flores. He got bad legal advice, he was angry, and he didn't make a rational choice as it pertained to that decision. Did you see the video of Al Michaels and Eminem? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. A lot of people want to weigh in. Oh, I got such strong opinions about the halftime show. I barely saw any negative opinions about the halftime show. By the way, 113 million, I think, was the total number of people who watched the Super Bowl, which was the most in five years. Wildly entertaining down the stretch. Uh, I feel like the NFL has battled its way back after the Kaepernick mess. Uh, And I thought that Eminem took a knee to honor uh, Tupac because Dr. Dre was playing out uh, the song of Tupac while Eminem was beside him. But whatever. I don't particularly care if you're kneeling during a song for whatever you believe in uh, when it's not the national anthem during the halftime show, whatever it is. And I think that's what the vast majority of the American public believes. But I thought it was interesting. Eminem is a monster Al Michaels fan. And so they were having a conversation uh, either bef- like halftime or I'm not sure I guess it was after the game or maybe before the game I'm not sure when they met up but Eminem was there saying he's a monster Al Michaels fan and Al Michaels was saying he's a monster Eminem fan and so I couldn't help but think that's a conversation that I would be interested in hearing wouldn't you like to go out to dinner with Al Michaels and Eminem I think Eminem is a monster sports fan if he's got his favorite announcers I've never met him I know a lot of people have met him because he's been on the Fox lot before. Uh, But I've always been an Eminem fan. And this is why my argument is, look, I grew up on Dr. Dre. I grew up on Snoop. 
I grew up a little bit on Eminem, 50 Cent, all those guys, right? That is my era, the 90s leading into the early 2000s. That's the era when I was coming of age, when I was out in the bars and, uh, and, and restaurant, club scene, whatever you want to say. When you're like, you know, roughly 16 to 24, that's kind of the age that you're coming up. That's the guys that I grew up on, right? 15, 14 to 24, whatever you want to say. So that's my era. Um, and so to me, what was fascinating about this is the degree to which hip-hop has moved from rebellious into totally the mainstream because as soon as the NFL is endorsing somebody as a halftime performer, they're saying, hey, we're comfortable with you with having 100 million viewers. And I enjoyed the performance. But what I would say in general is this. I want all, everybody to have the creative freedom that rappers do, right? I want all uh, creative artists, comedians, uh, to radio performers, if you want to count me in the creative space, writers, uh, certainly uh, television and, and uh, film and everything that is a creative industry. I want robust freedoms for creativity. I want everybody who is in the creative space to come out against cancel culture. And that's why with this whole Neil Young versus Joe Rogan battle, to me what stands out is the degree to which creative people like Neil Young, Howard Stern even, have ended up coming down on the side of censorship as opposed to embracing artistic freedom. Because art is about nuance. It's about challenging existing mores. Because if you're not an artist, if you are speaking out in favor of the government, you're oftentimes a propagandist. Art is about rebellion. It's about nuance at its best. Because black and white, not the colors, but the way that we see truth and, 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 and fiction, the area that is interesting is the nuance between the two. Otherwise, it's propaganda. And I'm disappointed by the number of artists I've seen, comedians, uh, musicians, writers, who have come out in favor of censorship and having somebody's work pulled. I mean, I just, I think it's a fundamental uh, repudiation of art itself. It's the antithesis of what art should represent. And I'm disappointed more people aren't making that argument. Uh, the Durham investigation, speaking of the argument. This is huge, okay? The allegations that are out there against Hillary Clinton are up there with Watergate. And if this is proven, it would be more significant than what happened in Watergate because we would have a long-running spying that was going on by the Clinton uh, campaign, not only of the Trump campaign, but also potentially of the Trump presidency. And so what we are seeing with Durham, and I think... You have to give a lot of credit to A.G. Barr here, the Attorney General, who ensured on his way out the door, and this didn't get a lot of attention, but he ensured that Durham had the protection of the Independent Counsel statute to avoid politics snuffing out his investigation. And we don't know how much longer this is going to go on or what his full discovery is going to be in this matter. But it is... Very, very significant what he has alleged already that the whole Russia collusion hoax, the people at the New York Times and the Washington Post who won Pulitzers for this, uh, MSNBC and CNN, they all bought in to a lie. 
the idea that there was a Russian collusion with Donald Trump. And all you got to do to think about this is, when has Putin been his most aggressive? When has Putin made his most expansive claims on Russian territory? Obama was president when he went into Crimea, and now Joe Biden is president while he's talking about going into Ukraine. And he didn't make any real aggressive moves when Donald Trump was president, I believe because he feared how Trump might react. That whole Russia argument was a lie. And it turns out that actually the political campaign that should be investigated from 2016 was not Donald Trump's, but actually Hillary Clinton's. Uh, Speaking of the Ukraine mess, it's even hard to analyze on a day-to-day basis what is going on there. There's now a denial of service going on. All of the computer networks in the Ukraine are being attacked. Uh, There were reports that Russia was going to invade on Wednesday. The stock market came back today because there were reports that Russia was pulling back from the idea of invading. I'm checking right now to see where the stock market is and it still is up right now. Seems to be having a decent day uh, rebounding after a uh, tough couple of days, Thursday, Friday, Monday, when it seemed as if we might have a significant uh, significant incursion, significant invasion that might be occurring uh, in Ukraine. But it is a mess to pay attention to. Final thought here. Uh, this report came out. There are 46 states right now that disapprove of uh, Joe Biden. All right? Uh, 46 different states, which is pretty wild to even contemplate that we could have gotten here. And I want to share with you some of the data surrounding what those states are telling us. Only four states approve of Joe Biden right now. Uh, And those states are Vermont and Massachusetts. Not a big surprise. Hawaii. The only one that surprises me is Maryland. Crab cakes, football, and supporting Joe Biden. Is that what Maryland does? Get yourself in order, Maryland. Uh, But in some of these states... The numbers on approval are staggering. For instance, in West Virginia right now, Joe Biden has a 17% approval rating. That is the lowest in any state in the nation. So if you are Joe Manchin, a Democratic senator from West Virginia, and you're wondering why is he not supporting the Biden agenda, well, it might have something to do with the fact that that Joe Biden right now has a 17% approval rating in his state. Uh, The only other state that's close to that, by the way, Wyoming, where Joe Biden has a 19% approval rating. Uh, All right. So, what about the toss-up states? What about the states where uh, the election are likely to be decided? Arizona, Joe Biden, 32% approval rating, 61% disapproval. That's what's going on in Arizona right now. Uh, Again, these are the states where the election is likely to be decided. Florida, 35% approval rating. Georgia, 32% approval rating. I mean, those are not in any way numbers that could lead to Joe Biden winning. Michigan, 34% approval rating right now in the state of Michigan. Pennsylvania, 37%. And Wisconsin, 38%. These numbers are so bad that if the election were being held today and if Joe Biden were on the ballot, it is likely we would see 
the biggest beatdown in a presidential election since 1984. Now, it wouldn't be as bad as 1984, but it would be the worst beatdown of a presidential candidate if Joe Biden were on the ballot right now. And we'll see what happens in 2022, but an overwhelming red tide is rising up and people are demanding to take back their country. Appreciate all of you. Encourage you to go listen to the Clay and Buck podcast. Subscribe. Go give us five stars for Outkick the show here. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP, I will be back with you tomorrow. This has been Outkick the show.